Great coaches ask great questions. best days at work are the days when the light bulb goes on for somebody else. Welcome back to On It Not In It with Todd Eppert, owner of Focal Point Business Coaching of Ohio. It's been about a month since we talked last. Good to see you again. (laughs) Good to see you too. But I do want to look at the, uh, one of the things that we hit on last time that we got good response on was actually looking at the value of business coaching and why not just read the books. Now, one of the questions that kind of came up that I think is an interesting question is, right now we're seeing a ton of kids graduating college with degrees and master's degrees in business and entrepreneurship and all these different things. That's kind of how to do the business world. So do they need a business coach? Who all needs a business coach? So that's a great question. So I'll I'll answer it by asking you a question. Oh, no. So Nick, you look like a pretty fit guy. <laughs> you go to the gym regularly? I used to, but I had a kid. But let's say yes for sake of argument. Oh, well, no, that's a great point. So you had a life change. Uh-huh. You had a child that came along. Sure. And that child has now taken all of your energy and all of your time, and now you have no time to go to the gym. Absolutely. That's where I am right now. So if you had a coach... You might go back to the gym more often. Yeah, because right. I'd be terrified not to at that point. So, so it's some some people can go to the gym on their own, and some people need the accountability to get to the gym. But so the, the great question that you asked was about kids coming out of college. You get a great education in college, and absolutely you can start your own business. But my guess is at some point you're going to get to um, a ceiling in your business of some sort or a challenge in your business that you cannot break through on your own, and that's when coaching becomes important. What are some of those ceilings that you see, or does it depend on the industry? Uh, no, no. Co- common ceilings are revenue growth. So businesses get to a revenue level and they, I call it bouncing off the ceiling. So you'll hear me use that term sometimes. They'll, maybe it's a million dollars. They'll get to a million dollars. They'll drop back to 950. They'll break to nine, a million 20. They'll drop to 950. They'll, break, I mean, it, they'll bounce off that million. It's because they get to a point where their, their current tactics are not good enough to move them beyond the million dollars. And that's where a coach can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Hiring can be really be- uh, can be a, a, bump, a, a bump that people bump into. Um, so when you're talking about small business world where you have three, four, five employees, every employee you add is really, really important. I mean, it's a, it's a 15, 20% increase in the number of people in your business. A plus is the biggest line item in any business is right. labor. Right. Yes. And so uh, those can be areas where they might need some support. Uh, planning for your future is an area where they might, they might get to a point where they say, wow, I've been really successful for three years, but I, I, I never thought about where I want to be in two or three years. And I've got this successful business, but I, I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. It's a great place. So that makes sense. And looking at those, is there is there textbook solutions for revenue growth hiring and succession planning, or is it kind of depend on the person? Um, it depends on the business, depends on the person, it depends on what they want to do. So um, I think in the last podcast you mentioned the book uh, E Myth Revisited. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great book. It's my favorite. And I actually have clients that would prefer to be the technician in their business. I... So when they hire somebody, uh, they might want to go get the manager level, for instance. Now, most of them still want to be the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but you got to figure out which eyes you're going to keep with that business owner, right? Mm-hmm. So do you want to be the entrepreneur, the manager, or the technician? Um, and so if you're hiring in that case, you're looking for different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to get out of the technician world, that that you're looking for more technical skills. If you're looking for 
uh, a manager, then you're probably looking for someone with more technical business skills, maybe leadership skills, maybe people development skills. And the entrepreneur side, you might be looking for like a salesperson. That makes, that like makes that. perfect sense. Now, you coming into those conversations as a business coach, do you just inject yourself at the point where there's the conflict? Or is it something where it's you, you already have the relationship with the, the client and then you kind of go through it together? How does your pipeline work, I guess, is a better way to ask Yeah, that. great question. So, um, the, the, the pipeline of how I generate clients or the question of how I work with clients? How you work with clients. Okay. Is it like a weekly meeting? Do we like... Meet yeah, so generally I work with my clients weekly or every other week, mm-hmm. generally. Um, I do have some clients that I'll meet with quarterly or once a month. But the, the, the real value in coaching, I believe, happens every other week or every week. Um, and the question around, like, how do we hire and who do we know to hire? Um, many times when I meet with my business owners early on, some of the questions are, well, what do you want to do mm-hmm. in your business what yeah. what piece do you do best what are your areas of excellence and what are you individually capable of doing that no one else in this business can do and then we might make a list of things that they do and scratch off the things that are not important to them or that they have to do because they're the business owner and that's the first group that we're going to go hire so that mm-hmm. can be a very different oh, solution based on the person so I, you're looking at the business as a holistic you already have the relationship with them and then you're helping them tackle these obstacles as they come up versus you just being called and saying hey i'm looking for to, to start have hiring decision you want to help me work through this yeah even when people call and say i'm looking to hire people can you help me my answer will be yes but the first question can, conversation will not be around hiring people right i don't even know if they need to hire people um, I don't know if they're effective with their time yet. I don't know if they even know what they want to do as a business. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as an example, many times when businesses start, um, they'll do anything that their customers ask them to do. And they get this wide range of things that they provide. And some of them might be valuable to the business. Some of them might not be valuable. And when I say value, I mean profitable. Right, right, right. Not every dollar of revenue is valuable to a business. I'm not ever telling clients to fire customers, <laughs> but I do help them understand, well, what do you really want to do and what do you want to be and what do you want to provide as an organization? And if they cut some of those things, they might realize they've got the perfect size staff. Right. It's just figuring out how to delegate the responsibilities. Correct. That's huge. And looking at the the model right now, if I typed in Google, I'm assuming I could if you want me to, I don't think it's necessary. If I type in Google, how do I hire the right people or when do I make the hiring decision? I'm probably going to get you know, 600 pages of different results for that. What's your role? I mean, I'm assuming you cost money for your services, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, what's the value that you're bringing versus that Google search? So the value I would bring, again, go around back to clarity. So when you go to hire someone, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for someone that's just like you? Well, maybe that's the right person. Maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you need someone that's completely opposite of you. So we use assessments a lot in our, in our hiring process. So we'll look at behavior styles. Do they match? We look at cultural fit, different things like that. Um, and then we'll, we'll list, go back to that list of what, are the, what is the person doing that we're trying to backfill or support. There's some things they're really good at that are really valuable to the organization. We want them to be doing all those things all the time. Mm-hmm. So what are the other things that are, they need to support in? Mm-hmm. Some examples might be, as an example, they might be some admin work or there might be some bookkeeping work. Billing maybe it's selling. You know, some, some people don't like selling, but they have to do it because they own a business. Yep. right? So we need to figure out what are you going to go hire for? And then let's craft a job description and let's go find the right people. That's- so it's a process, not just a go get it going <laughs> you're not prescribing something at that point Correct. right you're, you're kind of analyzing the the symptoms and then figuring out the root cause and Correct. working on that from there Correct. that makes sense do you work with a lot of families i do yeah so because you said small business earlier i bet that's kind of a weird conversation especially looking at maybe 
the original owners, the founders are retiring, they're passing off to the son, the transfer of trust. You can't be a therapist at that point too, don't you? Um, yeah, there's a little bit of, I'm not a, for instance, I'm not a life coach. If someone said I'm looking for a life coach, like marriage counseling or, or how to get better as a person that it's, it's not what I do professionally. Does it come into play? Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. um, small business owners, um, you get your, you're part of their family. You're, you know, it's it just, it's part of it. So it's going to happen. Dynamics come up. And so I try, I don't give marital advice or I don't tell them how to be better dads <laughs> or moms. Uh, but we'll talk about things like that, you know, um, and I will draw on my own personal experience, but I'm certainly not perfect in either phase. So I can't be the, I'm not the person that will tell them what to do, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And looking at the value, and this entire episode is about the value of the business mm. coach too. Last episode, you actually said that you have your own business coach as well. Mm. So what kind of value do you get out of your business coach? Yeah. So my business coach makes me work on my business, uh, not just in it. So, um, I, you know, as an example, when I first started my process, I probably did five or six or seven things. I, I do not go out looking for executive coaching clients. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in my practice, I did. Um, so I have some of those leftovers because I still work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, today, if I had a corporate client that I was doing training with that asked me if I would be executive, do an executive coaching role, I would think about it. Because, really? Yeah. Because I really want to focus what I do best and what I'm most passionate about on. And that's, I feel like there's plenty of business out there. If I work on the right stuff, I can have all those clients that I'm passionate about. Even when there's money on the table, you're still saying I'd rather direct my efforts in a different direction. Yeah. And that's, that's old. That, well, that's exactly what happens in every business, right? We all have to do that. We all have to look at the things that you're most passionate about in your business is probably where you're going to generate the most value for your clients, which is why they're going to come back to you and you're going to be referable and it's going to be better. When you're kind of crappy at what you're doing because you don't love it, you're not going to get referred. It's going to be a it's going to be a money draw from your business. It's not going to be profitable, and so maybe you need to cut bait. That's so interesting because I mean I feel like especially at startups, which is small businesses, I'm sure you work in a lot of startups. It's basically, hey, we started this thing, we need to be successful. I'll do whatever it takes to get there. So that advice is actually kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you're saying focus on what you're passionate about first and ignore the put your blinders on. Um, by the time you need a business coach, I would say we probably need to trim the bush a little bit, right? Because we've all done a little too much growth in the wrong places. Yeah. So what do we need to lop off the bush to make it move, to make it grow more healthily? Um, I don't work with startups. There are some great startup places mm-hmm. that, that do work for startups. But I think even most startups would tell you, coaching in startups would tell you, you are much more referable. It's easier to grow. It's easier to market if you have a lane that you swim in and you stay as an expertise mm-hmm. in that lane. Mm-hmm. That's um, huge. So by the time I get to them, it's they've probably ignored those rules. And, and now they're lateral in the lane. They jumped yeah. over the barrier. Or they're, they're trying to pool. swim in three or four <laughs> lanes. And, and they know it when you start talking about it. And, and again, I never tell people to fire customers or get rid of, get rid of things. But if you change the direction you're focusing on is people naturally come off of your normal sales cycle or delivery cycle. You just don't replace them and you replace them with somebody that you're passionate with. That makes sense. Now looking at the value too, and you holding people accountable, same thing with a fitness trainer, holding them accountable too. With that's going to come some difficult conversations. I'm assuming you probably mm-hmm. had difficult conversations. How do you typically mediate those? Because we're seeing more and more in society that there's this fear of conflict. How do you get around that? Um, so I ask a lot of questions um, and so when there's, I don't have conflict with my clients. If they get upset because I ask a question, uh, I actually have had clients in the very beginning, typically when I'm having the conversation with them about whether we're a good fit for you, I will typically ask you, hey, do you mind if I ask you some difficult questions about your business? Um, you know, let's talk about your people. Let's talk about your P&L. Let's talk about those things. And if, they, if they're uncomfortable at that point, I'm probably not a good fit. Um, 
so that when we're working together later and I ask them a difficult question, they generally look back at me and say, well, that's your job as a coach, mm -hmm. is to ask me the questions that nobody else will ask me. So you're setting the right expectations up front. Set the expectations up front. Now, when they have conflict in the business and I'm walking through that with them, I always try to apply just good listening skills. You know, what's really going on? What's really the conflict? Is there a root cause there? And we'll dig through that and try to figure out what's really going on in that problem. So in that case, I might hearken back to some of my old problem solving methodology and just kind of talk through it with the person. Now, when you're working with businesses, how often do you engage with the employees of the company instead of the ownership team, the management team? Um, it, it's not always, but it's not rare, right? Because okay. I'm in there every other week or every week. So people start to know who I am. They see my face. Um, I have several clients that say, well, they'll invite me to staff meetings. They'll invite me to company parties. Uh, because I'm part of the family right. in the business. And that, that building that trust with those teams, I'm sure, is a huge part of it. Yeah, and I've had client, I've had where I'm meeting with the client and they are, I'm done with the meeting and the employee will walk over and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Absolutely. So do you don't find that as adversarial then? Uh, well, I never, I never would have a back talk behind your owner's back <laughs> right. conversation, right? I would never have one of those situations. And if employee were saying, I'm really struggling with the, the owner because of X, Y, or Z, my feedback to them would be, I'm really going to encourage you to talk to your owner. Right. I am not the person that's going to bring that problem to them. That's not my job. Right. Um, if, you know, I will you know, push you to do that. But if you're not willing to have the conversation, then, then what, why are you talking to me about it? Right. No, that makes sense. Because <laughs> even for you at that point, you're staying in your lane yeah. while you tell your owner to stay in their lane. Correct. I am, I am first and foremost a partner to the owner in the business. Right. And I want their business to get better. So, um, you know, I, by the way, I would also tell the person if they came and said, I have this problem, I would say, I'm encouraging you to go talk to your, your owner. Um, if you don't and you keep coming back to me, I'm eventually going to tell your owner that they need to come talk to you. Right. No, that <laughs> makes perfect sense. Now, the last big question about value I have, because this episode's about value, is looking at how do, we, how do we figure that out when it comes to the investment? I mean, I'm a business guy, so for me, every conversation, every decision I make is a structure of ROI or risk benefit, all the different things that we do as business owners. Me onboarding you is I'm assuming it's going to be a paid relationship. So do you typically find that your clients, I mean, break even or how, how do you, how do you gauge your success as a business coach? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, simply put, um, I would say business coaching is probably similar to marketing from the perspective of when you invest in marketing, it's really hard to tie back. I spent $10,000 on my website and it's helped, it's helped me generate $30,000 in new business. It's really hard to capture that. It'd be amazing business. if we could. Right, it'd be great if we could. It's similar in coaching, but what I would say is the business owner um, should see results from the work that they're doing from their, their stress levels, they should be sleeping better at night, their relationships with their friends and family should be better because they have less stress because of the business. The business is doing better, therefore they're feeling better. That will happen first generally. The second thing that happens very quickly after that is they start looking at their P&Ls and they realize, wow, my, my revenue's up 100% in two years or my profitability has improved 50% in 18 months or whatever. And so there is always a financial benefit. Coaching should provide a financial benefit to the business well in advance or well more than what they are paid as a coach. Really? Okay, yes. so give me percentages, right? I mean, what's, again, you might not know this, have you done, that's really cool, but what's the ROI typically on a business coach? I mean, I generally, it's, and it's not the first year because it can take longer. Relationships can take years sure. to really develop. Um, but I have seen clients that have uh, doubled revenue in two to three years, um, and it depends on the margin in their business right. and how much that is to their business, but it's generally more than what they've paid me in the two years we've worked together. 
uh, probably three to one, four to one in that case. That's, that's amazing. That's what I would expect. Which is amazing. I mean, yeah. Um, the other thing on the exit planning side, and we can get to that later, but sure. that's really where there can be some significant value. So if you think about selling your business for one or two times your earnings versus selling your business for four times your earnings, that's a huge gain. And that's where coaching really can be valuable. No, that makes a ton of sense. Is there any other value that might not be a financial value? I mean, you said it's going to help their stress levels. Walk me through that. How is that possible? Yeah, so at Focal Point, we actually have a mission statement that says we call ourselves the pebble on the pond. So um, if you picture the still water of a pond first thing in the morning and you drop a pebble in it, you get a little splash. Typically. So that's the impact of the business owner. They feel better just naturally. They have somebody to talk to about Mm -hmm. their business. Mm -hmm. Many times business owners don't have a peer. They can't talk to their employees about what's going on. Generally, their spouses are frustrated because that's all they do is talk Talk about business, right? Especially if it's a family business. Right, exactly. And so having a coach really gives them an outlet. And so they start to feel better immediately. And then they start to feel their productivity might get better. Their own effectiveness might get better. And so their employees might notice a difference. And that's the first ripple of the pond. Then their families start to feel it. And then the community starts to feel it. And as a cliche, we believe that we can change the world one small business at a time. No, I believe it. Right. Especially since you're so focused on small businesses, the impact that you're going to have is going to be way more significant. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to value for our episode focusing on the value of a business coach? Yeah, there'll be, I mean, like I said, there'll be a financial return. Um, It just takes, you might not see it, might not be able to tie it directly back. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, I'll give an example. So I was coaching a salesperson in one of my small business areas because I will work with employees in the business if the owner asked me to do that. And his book grew 47% in one year of working with him, his book of business. Really? Now, he works really hard. His industry was on an upturn. He was getting coaching. He was doing the right thing. He was doing a lot of the thi- the right things. So, you know, did you lose 20 pounds because you ate better and worked out? Or was it because you worked out? Or was it because it's a combination right, of Right, right. I mean, but it's a lead lag metric at that point Correct. too, right? Yeah. He grew his book 47%. I'll take that every day of the week. Exactly. In one year. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So it's across the board. It's not just ownership, not just the financial results and the stress levels. It's also the employees' success. Yeah, exactly. That's huge. That's huge. Well, until next time, great talking to you, Todd. Great talking to you too, Nick.